and welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. I am thrilled to announce a new special Cantina Chatter Podcast series beginning later this month. This is a series I've been wanting to do for a while. For anyone even slightly familiar with Victoria's Cantina on YouTube or the Cantina Chatter podcast, you likely know that I have been a lifelong Star Wars toy collector. This goes back to 1996 when, with the help of my family, I began collecting the Kenner Star Wars The Power of the Force line as a kid. I'd had many toys in my life up to that point, from Ghostbusters to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Batman and Power Rangers, Dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, among others, but Star Wars was the first line I was old enough to intentionally collect with a focus. I wanted the three and three quarter inch figures, the vehicles to put my figures in, and the 12 inch collector series. This early passion for Star Wars collecting led to two decades plus of continuous Star Wars toy collecting. In fact, I don't think I've gone more than a matter of months between then and now without buying some sort of a Star Wars toy. The modern Star Wars toy era, which kicked off in 1995 under Kenner, has continued non-stop to this day. There have been so many Star Wars toy lines from The Power of the Force to Episode One to Power of the Jedi and Original Trilogy Collection to the 30th Anniversary Collection and the Legacy Collection and then on to the Vintage Collection and the Black Series and that's just to name a few of them. Some of the lines included toys from the entire saga, while others were focused on particular films or themes. Some were more expensive than others, with deluxe figures, multi-packs, vehicles, playsets, exclusives, and more. The purpose of this Cantina Chatter podcast retrospective series is to focus on each of these different Hasbro Star Wars lines. Each episode will include a different guest many of whom are well-known in the Star Wars toy collecting world, and several of whom have been on the show before. We will kick things off with the power of the Force, and over the course of the next year, work our way up to the present time. There will be one new episode per month, and given the number of Star Wars toy lines, this series will likely continue into early 2020. I look forward to looking back at each of the modern Star Wars toy lines from 1995 to now, discussing them at length with my guests and analyzing their legacy and impact in the Star Wars toy world. I hope you'll join me on this adventure by tuning in to the very first episode beginning later this month. Toys. We play with them as children. They're playthings that keep us entertained at a young age. We receive them as Christmas gifts, as birthday gifts, for doing well on our report card. They spark our imaginations. We love them. We break them. And then one day, we let go of them. Our interests change, and we begin investing our time and energy into things that are more age-appropriate. Or do we? People collect all kinds of things. Trading cards, records, coins, stamps, jukeboxes, cars. And then there are those of us who quite simply never let go of our love for those little playthings that helped our imaginations run wild. Why is that? Well, I think it's quite simple. 
we simply never outgrew them. The fun we had playing with toys became so well ingrained into our past that we constantly want to recapture and relive those happy sentiments forever. As adults, we tend to have the power to do that. After all, who's going to stop us from spending our hard-earned cash on a Luke Skywalker action figure or a dinosaur toy? While some may be quick to judge an adult who collects things that read Ages 4 Plus on the package, others share a passion for the things that reinforce our love for our favorite movies, TV shows, and comic books. But like most things, there are certain parameters that we must work within in order to indulge our toy collecting desires. Sets of rules to help us focus our time, money, and effort on the collectibles we can't live without and the strength and reason to help us decide what we don't need. Things like how often we haunt our local stores, how we make the most out of our online shopping, and how we manage our habit are important too. In this episode, How to Be a Toy Collector, I will be joined by two guests, both of whom are lifelong collectors and are kind enough to impart their toy collecting wisdom with us all. Well, hi, I'm Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy. Toy Galaxy is a channel on YouTube. Uh, Toy Galaxy just really generally started off uh, three and a half years ago as a basically a toy review channel. Uh, we focused on uh, four minutes or less segments, uh, just short, concise, entertaining uh, figure reviews. Uh, but it's expanded in the in the time since uh, uh, to become sort of a general history channel and uh, the the sort of collecting as a culture uh, and expanded more into just general pop culture. Anything that action figures in the toy industry sort of touches whether that's movies or comics or, or video games or anything else, uh, Toy Galaxy can be found there and uh, continues to grow. And uh, it's, uh, it's a two-person operation, myself and producer Greg, and it's just a lot of fun. And uh, we've had a lot of fun meeting people and growing the community and uh, just take, taking it wherever this YouTube thing goes. My name is Adam Paulus. I've been running about Star Wars and other toys online in a semi-professional capacity since 1995. You can find me currently at uh, Entertainment Earth, GalacticHunter.com, and 16bit.com. Uh, at Entertainment Earth, it's where I work because now I'm uh, not just a fan. I work in the industry. I also record their podcast every Friday. At Galactic Hunter, I write to action figure reviews, post news, and write a Star Wars Q&A column. And at 16bit.com, I write about whatever I feel like doing that day. In most cases, I don't think that we consciously decide to begin a collection. For many of us, we have been collecting all of our lives, and it is just part of who we are and what we do. However, some may be new to collecting, and while it is my hope that everyone can benefit from this episode, it is geared especially for those who are looking to get into the hobby for the first time. So now that you're here, I assume you have an interest in toys. Even for those of us who have been collecting for years, I think it's important that we take pause every now and then, and then to look intrinsically and evaluate our collecting hobby and how it is affecting our lives. Collecting can obviously be an expensive hobby. With so many franchises, companies, assortments, and price points, it is important to focus your collecting interests on what you will enjoy most. Nobody can collect everything, and most of us remain focused so that things don't get out of hand. After all, when you buy toys, you're spending the extra money that remains after you've taken care of your mortgage, car payment, health insurance, food, savings, student loans, and other higher priority expenses. It's tough because uh, 
with if if you're involved sort of in the social media communities of collectors and stuff, it's very hard to, you know, see what everybody else is buying and what everybody else is collecting and not be influenced by what everybody else is doing. And, you know, the best advice I can give to any collector, new or old, young, whatever, first times, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, is to just stick with what you actually want and what you actually like and what you can actually afford uh, because it can get out of hand really fast. And if you're just sort of following what, you know, the advice of other people, you know, you're going to end up spending money on things that you didn't necessarily want. You might miss out on some of the cool things that you actually did want. Um, and if you're talking about a budget situation, which it should always be a budget situation, <laughs> uh, but if you're talking about a very limited budget situation, then yeah, you're gonna have to be very choosy about, you know, you can't you can't collect Star Wars and Transformers and G.I. Joe and He-Man. You're gonna have to pick and choose, you know, do you want one or two pieces from each line or do you want to complete a single line? You know, how how are you as a collector? Back in the 90s on Usenet, there was a term that I can't repeat here, so I will change it to something a little bit more appropriate. But basically, if you can be a clearance fanatic, that makes a big difference because not every toy line has every toy go on clearance. Get what you love first every time without question because you never know when that's going to be the thing that's going to be really crazy down the road. Here's the thing. You have options. Tons of them. And if you're not careful, you may end up biting off more than you can chew. Let's take Star Wars, for example. In 2018, you could get down to basics and collect Hasbro Star Wars toys. For a few hundred dollars a year, you can complete a three and three quarter inch line or a six inch black series line. Or you could do Lego. But if mass produced toys aren't your thing, there are the collector quality import lines from Japan such as Medicom Mayfax and Bandai Tamashi Nation's SH Figure Arts. Or you have options for statues from Sideshow, Gentle Giant, and Kotobukiya. Then there's Hot Toys. And that doesn't even include the random peripheral merchandise such as t-shirts, food items, knockoffs, or back catalogs, which in the case of Hasbro is thousands of Star Wars action figures. Remember, each of these lines has a very different focus. All of them have a target audience. For most of us, collecting absolutely everything is simply impossible. Even within toy lines, it can become daunting to collect them all. Maybe you don't necessarily buy every Marvel figure. Every now and again, I'll order a wave online a couple of year because I love them. And then there might be a wave where there's one figure I really, really want. Um, maybe that's the one I'll get on sale or get individually after the fact. Uh, I was just at a Ross during lunch and I saw some things I didn't expect to see there, like uh, Transformers last night, uh, premium figures, Alexis, and uh, Loyal Subjects blind box figures. Now, those are things that are really cool. Uh, collectors do enjoy them. And maybe if you're not the kind of person who can afford to buy everything all the time at full price, every now and again, a uh, sale purchase is, uh, it's good and bad. It's great because you save a little bit of money. It's bad because you're going to end up buying more new stuff if you end up liking it. Your best bet always as a collector is to know what your focus is, narrow it and stick to it. Because eventually, if you do this as long as I have, you're going to look around and go, why did I buy that? And how can I find it a new home? Be careful about getting, you know, uh, drawn in by the latest marketing campaign, the latest movie, the latest line that everybody's buying. Uh, you know, Mezco 112th action figures came out and I felt like every every social media feed I had just lit up about how amazing they were. And, you know, I got my hands on a couple of them and I was just like, this just isn't for me. At this point in my, you know, collecting life, I was able to step back and say, I don't need to purchase those, you know, even though it seems like I'm the only person not buying them right now, <laughs> you know, 80 bucks for a single figure. I, I'd rather get four figures, you know, <laughs> four 
for lesser quality figures because that's that's what toy collecting has always been for me has been you know the lower end scale of things the things that were sort of designed with you know limited budgets and you know kids wallets involved you know when you figure out what it is you want to concentrate on you then need to take an approach as to how you're going to find your toys for most of us collecting toys from the mass producing companies and the lines we grew up with that typically means frequent trips to the store but with toy collecting, you can't treat toys like you would a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. Think of it as a sport or as a hunt. Unlike the gallon of milk or the loaf of bread, the toy you want may very well not be in the toy aisle. Really, it's going to depend on your, A, your ability to get there, B, uh, how well your store actually stocks stuff. Uh, I, I'm in a geographic region uh, in the upper, upper northeast United States uh, where stuff just there's there's no turnover of the merchandise. I, I could probably go to the store right now and still pick up, you know, Constable Zuvio and, you know, stuff from Force Awakens. It's, uh, you know, occasionally stuff will get put out. It's not the best place. It doesn't matter. You can go there every day, 10 times a day, and you're never going to see anything new. So it's good if, if you sort of know generally whether or not your shops actually put new stuff out or if they don't. Uh, I, I can't even relate to an area that actually puts new new merchandise out with any sort of any you know regularity. Uh, because that's just not sort of how to how it works in my area. I would caution anybody against being uh, that collector, you know, who's who's constantly hounding employees and asking people to look out back, checking SKUs online, and you know, just no no employee wants to deal with that hassle, and you don't want to be known as that sort of irritant. Oh, here comes that that person again, you know, he's going to ask me to go out back. You, you just don't. It makes us all look bad, <laughs> you know. Uh, I get it. I get the urgency and wanting to have the new thing first and post the pictures. And there's always that fear of, you know, missing out on something. Uh, I totally relate to that. But, you know, that is what, you know, buying online is for. And um, I, I, I absolutely relate to, uh, you know, not wanting to miss a specific figure. And then, you know, either A, it doesn't show up later on or B, it's just hundreds of them are everywhere and it's choking the shelves and you feel like a dummy for having you know, ask the guy to go out back. So I would say, you know, there's no real, you know, I, I can't say yes, you know, go check all the time or don't. It's it's going to come down to, like I said, your ability to get there and whether or not your stores are actually stocking stuff. No specific time of day has been ideal for toy hunting lately. I used to go in the middle of the night because parking was good, uh, crowds were absent, and donuts were all over the place at markdown prices. So no matter what, I got something cool. Uh, lately I've been going mostly when I'm eating. So if I want to go somewhere special for lunch or dinner, I will go to where I'm going to go and anything on the way back is where I'm going to go hunting that day. Uh, so like if I go to a burger place, I really like there's a different Walmart or target out there. Uh, if there's a barbecue joint, I like maybe there is a special, uh, record store out there and they also happen to have kind of a pawn type section for toys. There's really no wrong time to go hunting for stuff. Just know the hours of everything. And uh, you might learn when stores stock their shelves. And it's not always consistent. And it's not always ideal. But I feel like I found a lot more hunting in the middle of the day than I had in the uh, middle of the night when I used to do that 10, 15 years ago. Having grown up in a small town in Texas before moving to a major city in Texas and then living in two densely populated cities in Southern California, I have had all types of toy hunting and collecting experiences. When you're in a small town, you may be limited to one Target and one Walmart. That can be good and bad, as there might be more or less competition depending on how many people are hunting for the same toys. If you need the same toy that another collector does, you will be competing to get that toy first. However, if you get to know when those stores restock, you might improve your chances of finding your toys before anyone else. 
In a big city, such as where I live now in San Diego, the competition is immense. After all, we hold San Diego Comic-Con here every year, and as we examined in a previous episode titled San Diego Toy Collecting, it can be extremely difficult to find toys in this area. However, in larger cities, you tend to have the benefit of multiple stores. Within 20 minutes of home, I have three Targets and five Walmarts. But remember, in a big city, you will almost certainly have more collectors hunting those same toys. It's often not good enough to just hit one Target once a week. In some cases, I have to hit two of them one day and then maybe two the next. Or, time permitting, I may need to make a full morning of it and visit three Walmarts. Oftentimes, if you're impatient like me, visiting stores multiple times a week is necessary if you really want to get those new toys. One Walmart every two weeks just isn't going to cut it. No matter what though, one thing is for sure, if I need a toy, sitting at home will not make it appear. Persistence, effort, dedication, and yes, patience are key. When it comes to shopping for toys, I would recommend looking at your weekly schedule and asking the question, uh, did I go looking for toys yesterday? Did I go looking for toys today? And if the answer is no, I better go looking for toys tomorrow. Thankfully, in 2018, you don't exactly need to leave the house in order to collect toys. Online shopping has become a very valuable resource to toy collectors. If you can separate yourself from the thrill of the hunt, online shopping might be a better option for you. Of course, not everything is available online, and when you shop online for mass-produced toys from companies like Hasbro, Mattel, Jack's Pacific, or Funko, you don't get to examine a toy sample before buying it. However, if regular toy hunts is not your thing, and you don't mind spending a bit more in some cases, you can offset the cost of gas, time, and effort by turning to the World Wide Web for your toy needs. It's going to come down to your preference. I personally know that I can, you know, order a case of figures and take away that that the thrill of the hunt and the chase and the finding the thing on the shelves. I can guarantee that I'm going to get every figure I need. But there's a lot of figures that look good in pictures, you know, and, and I think I want it. Uh, and then when I actually see it in person, it's like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't spend 20 bucks on this plus shipping. Uh, now that I see it in person, I, I guess I don't actually want it as much as I thought. And a lot of times, honestly, for me, I, you know, I follow enough people on Instagram and watch enough YouTube videos and stuff that there have been pieces that I thought were a lock. I'm absolutely going to buy that as soon as I get it. And then I watch, you know, people's stuff and I, I see the poses and whatever. And I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I don't actually need to drop 20 bucks on that. Uh, so yes, yes. Uh, shop online to make sure that you're getting those things you absolutely need. Uh, there's, plenty of resources out there. If, if you're not sure about, you know, can this site be trusted? Can that site be trusted? Just throw it out to, you know, some toy collectors on Facebook or YouTube or uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, whatever, and you'll get tons of answers as to whether or not, you know, there's a it's a reputable site. When it comes to balancing in-store versus online shopping, I would say let your budget and your free time be your guide. If you're the kind of person that eats out a lot and drive by a lot of stores, go do as much brick and mortar as it makes sense for you to do. Uh, as I get older and uh, more in the business, uh, and also I'm a little biased here, ordering online has been very helpful because uh, at the place I work, we tend to get stuff first. And you might say, but Adam, no, you don't, because I checked your website and it didn't say it was in stock. And, and the reason it didn't say it was in stock is pre-orders are very popular. And uh, if you see a chance to buy something 
online first at one of the bigger stores, there's a real good chance you'll get it there first. Not always, not 100% guaranteed. I've seen Target and Walmart and Toys R Us over the years get a few items first. Pre-order as early as you can to get the most out of it. Uh, some places offer uh, discounts, some places offer good deals on shipping, and some places might sell a case with free shipping because of whatever the pre-order uh, discount might be. So if you've got a buddy or a neighbor who also collects this stuff, it's always a good idea to coordinate because if you can get a case and split it down the middle, you save a little on shipping, and that's good for the environment, and it's good for your wallet. Finally, when it comes to collecting, knowledge is power. Many toy lines have been around for years, or even decades. To a new collector, getting into the last 40 years of Star Wars toys can be extremely daunting. Learning which figures and Kenner's the real Ghostbusters toy line are worth the $80 asking price is important. Even if you're getting into a brand new line, such as Mattel Jurassic World for example, there are dozens of toys available to you. Many are reissued figures or repainted dinosaurs. Some are available through exclusive multi-packs. Certain characters can only be found in some stores. Some releases will not be carried forward into subsequent waves. This is all information that is invaluable to the informed toy collector. If you're new collecting any action figure line, the best thing you can do, and this is more of a do as I say, not as I do, is do your homework. Uh, I'm also collecting things like records and video games, and I haven't paid that much attention to the Game Boy Advance scene for a few years, but I've been jumping into that lately. So it's a good idea to monitor where these things are sold. See what actually exists, which is a big help, and it sounds obvious, but uh, you'd be amazed how often in my Star Wars Q&A column, people used to ask, hey, did they make an Amanda Man figure? And you can say, oh, yeah, they made a few. You just got to go here and search on it, and you'll see every version that exists. And uh, it, it sounds obvious, but sometimes it might not be quite so obvious. Uh, make sure you check things like sold auctions. Amazon and everywhere else, because if you're a new collector and you just want a Darth Vader figure, you've got dozens to choose from. Some of them are really expensive. Some of them are really cheap. And uh, if you just need something for your desk and you only want to spend five bucks, there's probably a really good option for you out there. Especially when you're dealing with those higher priced items um, and even some of the older items, anything that's going to have a real uh, it's going to be a very popular item. There's going to be a lot of knockoffs and fakes and bootlegs and stuff. Uh, and there you're going to have to do a little bit of research. You know, if you're going back to those early black series figures, Darth Maul, Boba Fett, uh, some of those pieces that are uh, really expensive now in the secondary market, you got to do your research to make sure that what you're getting is the actual thing. Uh, if a price seems too good to be true, uh, based on what you already know about it, it probably is a knockoff. It's probably not the actual thing. And if you're okay with that, I, I can't tell you how to spend your money, you know, uh, but it's, it's something you need to actually self-edge. It's not a thing that really existed in the past. You know, when, when I started collecting, you know, early mid eighties and stuff, there were bootlegs, but they were, you know, obviously marked as such. You didn't, you didn't walk into a store and accidentally buy a bootleg. If you're shopping online, eBay, Amazon, whatever, you have to, you have to do some work. You have to do some research to make sure that the buyer you're buying from and the product that they're representing is the actual thing that you're trying to purchase, especially if you're talking about something that's like, you know, 50, 80, $100. At the end of the day, remember that you are collecting toys. Toys are meant to be fun. They are intended as a distraction, a piece of plastic or plush to keep you occupied and bring you enjoyment. If you find that toy collecting makes you angry, bitter, or resentful to a particular brand, company, or retailer, remember that hobbies can be stopped at any time. The great thing about hobbies, in fact, is that there are many of them. If toy collecting is no longer for you, 
There is probably someone out there who is interested in your toys, and there is likely something else that you can invest your time, money, and energy into. Many of us are very passionate about our treasured hobby, and we feel very strongly about the way things are or the way things should be. Always remember that what we experience as collectors isn't necessarily what other people are experiencing. Perhaps you live in an area where toys are plentiful and everyone is happy. Others may live somewhere without a Walmart or without a Target, and for them, toy collecting is nearly impossible. Some may not have the capacity to purchase toys online, while others may not have the ability to purchase them in stores. Additionally, there is often much more than meets the eye. Practically every decision made by a toy company or retailer is intentional, and as consumers, we may not know or understand the decision-making that occurs behind the scenes. We may be right to be critical, but we should always remember that no toy company, retailer, or hobby is perfect. There are always ups and downs. Toy collecting can be feast or famine. Our local store may have poor toy management protocols, or we might end up with a toy that is defective in some way. Despite this, we are still collecting toys, and we owe it to those who bring them to us, as well as each other, to be respectful, considerate, and cognizant that all of these factors affect our toy collecting experiences. A tremendous thanks to Dan Larson and Adam Paulus for joining me in this episode. Be sure to check out their fantastic work online and follow them on social media. I will include links in the show notes. I can also be found on Instagram at, at @toygalaxy and Twitter I'm @toygalaxydan. My social meets are mostly found at uh, adam16bit in whatever service I happen to be on. So just search on adam16bit and uh, you'll find me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cantina Chatter Podcast. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review to help increase our visibility. Be sure to subscribe to the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel and follow Victoria's Cantina on Facebook, on Instagram at Victoria's Cantina, and on Twitter at Vic's Cantina. If you are so inclined, we are on Patreon. Gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina by becoming a Cantina patron. Please tune in next time for another adventure in toys, collectibles, and film.